0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations.
0: You're about to arrive to the right place. 5, 4, 3, 2, one. Welcome to the Alan and Aaron Sportsbook yes. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Evan and Aaron. Welcome, everybody, to the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. All right, Lou, how you doing so far tonight? Okay, thanks. How about Good, you? good. I haven't better. All right, I'm glad you're here. And sorry about the technical yeah, difficulties we had, folks. But definitely, I'm glad Lou is here. We're in the house. Yes. How you been, Lou? I've been better. Oh wow, sound like you're a little down. How's how's everything going? Otherwise, what's what's going on with you? Well,
1: because I came I came down with that.
0: Oh, sorry to hear that. That definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: it's. it's- just uh, my air symptoms, nothing, nothing major.
0: Well, definitely many prayers that you continue to get better, and I'm really thankful that yeah. you called in tonight, and we can make you feel better. Oh, make you feel a lot better with things going rough with you. But definitely, uh, Aaron.
1: All right, here's a question for you.
0: When will Judge it 62? Yeah, it's, it seemed like, you know, the pressure's on, and it seemed like, you know, yeah. I, I hope he gets it. I hope he hits that gets that number quick because what do we got? About ten games left.
1: Um, the season ends. We uh, see what October fifth, I think.
0: Fifth or sixth six. game.
1: No, uh, October fifth or sixth, I think, is when the season ends. Remember, the season's a week late this year because of their
0: own screw up. Yeah, so he's gonna he's gonna get it. It's just that he needs to just relax and wait yeah. for a good pitch. And, I was hoping uh, you know, he that, was gonna
1: do it here when you know against the series in Boston. What's yeah. Better way to do it.
0: Yeah, I was hoping he did it too. You know, what ended up happening is uh it wasn't meant to be, you know. He's gonna get well, it. I hope he doesn't press and, and well, you let's know, put don't sweat.
1: If that was the old Yankee scene, that would have been out.
0: Yeah, I mean the one that he thought it. I think I think the wind also held it up too. You know that that also always didn't the help. wind.
1: It's always the wind. The
0: wind, wind kind of held it up, and the one thing about Aaron Judge, if he gets into one, it's going to leave. But he he, I think he didn't, right. I don't think he got all of it. He got most of it, but the wind didn't help. You could clearly see the wind push it back in. Or I mean, it didn't
1: help for us. Yeah. Put
0: it that way. In your view, Lou, which one did you think... This is a question that someone asked. Yeah. What do you feel is the, is the number of the real record of, of the single-season home run? Do you feel it's really 62, or do you feel that Bonds really has it? What is your feeling on what the true number of now, is? The,
1: Maris has the record. The more legit record.
0: The, the more legit record, and yeah. You
1: know, yeah, nobody, you know... I mean, for all we know, for all we know, Roger wasn't using steroids, but you know, Sosa, uh, Maguire, Bonds, you know, they all had, they all cheated. So, uh, you know, as far as the jailbreakers go, it's got to be Maris. And actually, uh, Maris's uh, son was is at the game uh, tonight.
0: Yeah, he he took offense of what Aaron said about the fact that Aaron believes the true number is Barry Bonds, 73, because that's the number that's in the record book. I, I understand what he's saying because, in a way, yeah. if you do want to have the record, that is true. You have to hit 73 to tie, 74 to go ahead. That's true. Right. But in most people's eyes, as far as legitimacy, you're right. People are thinking Roger Maris, as far as legitimacy is concerned, people think 62 is is fun record. At this point. Yes. And and I, I, I can understand I can understand arguments on both sides. I can understand where Aaron's coming from and I can understand where people are coming from. Yeah, because Aaron does have a point. Like at sixty whatever his number is, ends up sixty five, whatever it is, it's gonna be short of seventy three. So right. he he won't he won't he won't have the record as far as the record's I don't know different. if we'll ever see that. No, I, I don't think we'll ever see I, – I think even if you're using steroids, it'll be hard for you to hit 73 home runs. I really do believe that. They said, you know what, PDs allowed. I, I just find out – well, then again, if they allow PDs, maybe a guy like Aaron Judge could do it. Mm. Because a ball like last night would have been it's a home natural, run. It's not natural, though. It's not natural, right. But, like, balls that would be – warning track would be home runs. Yes. I mean, I think so Barry Bonds is yeah. the first ballot Hall of Famer, but yeah. definitely him using PEDs, you know, allegedly, would help and would definitely help him. Which one do you think is more In impressive? The, the 62 home runs or Albert Pujols' 700?
1: Ooh. Well, both are, you know, hard to reach. You know what I mean? Yeah. McGowan, I mean, only the fourth one to hit uh, 700. Uh, that's a tough one. I'm yeah. going to have to say uh, – actually, I don't, I don't I really don't. I'm torn, to be honest. I'm torn.
0: Yeah, I'm torn, too. That's a tough question. Yeah. Uh, one of them, you, you have to be lot of home runs, but you have to be consistent and you have to have longevity. There's a longevity – that definitely has yes. to come into play to get seven hundred home runs. You you gotta be averaging at least probably about forty five home runs and you gotta be playing for some time. Per season. Yeah, per season. Yeah. And hitting sixty two, you gotta get you gotta have streaks where you get hot. Multiple you have to have yeah. games where you're hitting yeah. at least you have to have multiple games where you're hitting at least two. Yeah. But, it, but yeah, I, I definitely hope he gets it sooner than later just, just because it's nerve-wracking. Right. I hope he gets it too. I mean, it, whether he gets 63, 64, 65, it's not as nerve-wracking. He, he definitely – these two are going to be his top-at-home runs, the one to tie and one to go ahead by far.
1: I mean, where's, I'm still going to see if they're ever going to break the 56-game right? history. I
0: don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, a fifty-six streak. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to beat. I wanted to beat that record because I just think it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, it's very impressive to break. And to me, I, I think that's harder to break than sixty-two home runs. Believe it or not. Yeah, I, I think I think having Dimaggio's record is tougher to, to break because fifty-six consecutive games. You have to hit against guys who, you know, teams that have very good defense. Yeah. You know, you have to do it against different pitchers. And you can't take a day off. No, you can't. Yeah, I think Jody's record. Jody's record is going to stick around. I think Cal Ripken's record is going to stick around for a long time, too. Yeah. I think those two are are, are going to stick around. I think I think King, uh, Ricky Henderson's Steel record is going to stick around for a long time too. Yeah. But yeah, definitely, you're right. I know that you're not feeling 100. percent Are you planning on having a to show tomorrow? Absolutely. Oh my well, so man is coming so through. So yeah, coming through the clutch, so
1: even injured. So it's been- it's the COVID edition of the the Enhanced Sports Show tomorrow. Oh boy. <laughs> uh we'll have uh, the, uh, play the, uh, the play of the the playoff chase. Uh we'll we'll judge at sixty two home runs. I don't know. Maybe we'll a little before the time my the show is over tomorrow. <laughs> College football and NFL predictions. Uh we'll look at the President's Cup, the WNBA finals, even though I'm very disappointed. And and of course the UC news so the show will go on tomorrow, as, despite the fact I've got that. Uh, the number is 512-543-4662. number again, 512-543-4662 from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time.
0: Yep, 5 to 7, Eastern Standard Time Zone, 512-543-4662. Again, it's 512-543-4662. That's Y2's the call Definitely call in and support Lou the Enhanced Sports Show tomorrow, and definitely support him even more so because give him well wishes tomorrow when you call in.
1: Because brother, I might need it. Yeah,
0: yeah. so definitely uh, yeah. we're gonna pray for you. Uh, always right. pleasure to hear from you, and I definitely hope you get well really soon.
1: I should be I should be on standby
0: Tuesday. Yeah, just uh get drink a lot of liquids and get some rest and yes. Don't strain yourself on the show. Right. All right, All right. you're welcome. You have a great weekend. So great Lou. He's a legend. Definitely really appreciate Lou. Thank you. And we appreciate you guys too for joining us here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Creator Show. We had technical difficulties, but we're gonna keep on moving on. Definitely want to thank our great sponsors, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. It's delicious. Please pick up a four-pack at flbbqsauce.com. flbbqsauce.com. Don't forget that sauce. So, yeah, we discussed some baseball there. A lot of things happening in the sports world, and let me talk about the situation that's going on in Boston. The Boston Celtics coach, Amy Udaka ran into a lot of hot water. He had the probably the, about the worst week that a male can have. And allegedly, he basically you know he is the coach of the Celtics, for those who don't know, the head coach allegedly, well, this part is not allegedly, I should say, he is now engaged and has been engaged for quite some time to beautiful actress Nia Long. And she actually moved closer to him. And what ended up happening is, apparently, allegedly, this part is allegedly, and it's reported that Amy Adaka basically is having an affair with one of the VPs, the VP's wife, and he was suspended for a year as a result of this. What is going on now is I guess they're making a decision whether to terminate him. And also, Emmy and DACA is making a decision whether he should resign. Let me just first and foremost say that, you know, you, you definitely, when you become a position of authority, these, these situations will present itself. Meeting women, I'm not saying the, just the VP's wife or women will become attracted to you when you are in a position of a head coach or authority. That's just what it goes with the situation. Feel as if that's a situation that you cannot handle. It's probably best you really don't get into that, that position because it just gets worse. And if you slip up in this position, you get not only you tarnish your career, you really put yourself in a really poor position publicly. I mean, Nia Long, she's a public figure as she is. Now she has to deal with this. I looked at her Instagram page, and as you can almost guess, that people are already taking shots putting in their opinions. The VP, allegedly, who was having an affair with, she took down all the socials. And this is the reason why he got suspended. A lot of people speculated why was the penalty so harsh? Well, it turns a light. allegedly he was with the the vice president's wife. I mean you gotta think more logically in this situation than you do emotionally and this is a situation that's really you know for the black and brown community is not good because we don't usually get a fair shake at these opportunities. And when you get this opportunity of being a head coach and you embarrass yourself and the league, it makes it hard for the next person behind you. That's going to lead into what we're going to talk about a little bit later. Does the NFL need to hire more black coaches? Well, back on the NBA situation, you know, when you are a person of the black and brown community, you get this position of authority, you take on a burden of being a, of basically a representation of the black and brown community. You have to act yourself accordingly. You cannot put yourself in a situation where you embarrass yourself. And, and my position on this at this point is the best thing for Ime Adaka to do is to resign because you want to come back in a year suspension. You have to regurgitate this whole thing all over again as soon as you show up Media is going to come and ask you about these questions. It's going to take, you know, when you violate people's trust, it takes you a long time to get that back. This is going to be a constant distraction. And, you know, you just can't mess up. You can't mess up. That's the way it goes. You have to, you have to be on the straight and narrow. And you have to think before you react. And that's what it comes. You have to have emotional intelligence. So. Having said that, I pray that everything works itself out. You know, I'm definitely this is not a good situation all the way around. Now, the, the NFL coaches and black coaches definitely it's something that the NFL struggles with. I definitely want to give Mike Tomlin a round of applause. Mike Tomlin Tomlin is actually one of the premier head coaches and tenured here coaches, 15 years without a losing season. That's remarkable. And, you know, one thing that if you want to have more black coaches, one of the things that the black and brown community has to do is you have to support the people that do actually make it. You have to be more supportive. What I mean by that is, one of the things that that the black and brown community has as a nuance is that we always are not getting along with each other, always taking a shot against each other, always taking a riff. You know, you got to clean that stuff up. And, you know, Mike Tomlin, the black and brown community, has to support him more. You have to talk about this, the fact that he made it. Same thing when you have coaches that do get hired, you got to celebrate that more, and you got to work with. If you are employee or employee, or you got to learn how to get along. I mean, I love what Ty Bowles is doing. He's getting off to a great start, and it, that's the thing. We we, you know, the black and brown community can do great things if they're given opportunities. But also, the black and brown community within that community can do better too. You got to stop trying to destroy your other brother come on, man. You got to lift them up. You got to be so supportive. I mean, I see it myself, you know, just on a personal level. You know, when, I, when I'm trying to do things and trying to be success, I can always count on a couple of things. One, there's going to be a hater. And two, there's probably the person who's going to be hating hater me be more than likely is going to be somebody from the black or brown community. That's just how it's been the entire entire life. I'll meet one or two brothers out of about ten, there's about an eight twenty rule that will be very supportive, but about eighty percent will be negative. So come on, you want more black coaches? You gotta you gotta do better in the black and brown community. You gotta be support more, more, more support of your brothers. Stop trying to fight against them. Here's a perfect example. Perfect example. Richard Sermon just the other day against Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson hasn't played with, with uh, Richard Sherman. Wow, we're going back at least, what, seven, eight years? And basically, the gicks ju- of it is that Richard Sherman was basically saying that Russell Wilson was held to another standard than everybody else on the team. You know, he basically, Pete Carroll gave Russell Wilson, kind of looked the other way when he would do something that was not – Cool, whereas the defensive players didn't get that. I-, I thought to me, this is something that Richard Sherman could have kept himself. I could tell you first and foremost that the quarterback is going to get preferential treatment over a defensive player and an offensive player. If you're the, if you're a running back, a stud running back, if you are a stud wide receiver, Defensive lineman, corner, you're not going to be treated the same as a quarterback. Because let's be real. Your team is only going to go as far as, in most cases, what your quarterback and coach kind of put into it. If your coach and quarterback are on the wrong page or you're not getting along, the ship is going to sink faster than the Titanic. It's not going to go anywhere. And you have absolutely no choice for it to go anywhere. Whereas another position whether it be a corner, whether it be a lineman, you could kind of li- kind of litigate those losses. When you're not getting along with your quarterback, you're not going to be able to litigate that. This is a quarterback-driven league. So, yes, Mr. Sherman, I hate to bring you this reality. The quarterback is going to get preferential treatment. Is it fair? But life is not fair. You know, you, you might have three or four kids. There's always going to be one kid that, hey, you may not want to punish them or you're not going to punish them. It's quite as hard as the other ones. That's just how it life is. The quarterback is a premier position, and yes, Russell's going to get treated differently. That's just how it goes. We have a call in line. Welcome to the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. How you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm cool, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. How about yourself? How you been?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm all right, man. Got a
0: little cold, but I'm all right. Yeah, I hope you feel better. The weather's starting to get a little bit cooler here in Florida. Not much cooler, but definitely you got to be careful of that. And yeah, I was just talking about the Richard Sermon and his take on how he felt Russell Wilson was getting preferential treatment. What are your thoughts on on Richard Sherman's assessment? I mean, well, look, all those Legion of Boom
2: guys feel a certain way about Russell Wilson. Like and I, I I really understand it because basically in talking about football, we're still like twenty years stuck in the past. Like we're still talking about Q B wins. Uh we're still evaluating teams based on the quarterback when, you know, football's the ultimate team sport. And the most important component of those teams was that Legion of Boom group. So I, I can understand like it doesn't have to make sense as far as whatever uh, excuse they use about why they don't like them. But it makes sense that I can see that those guys look at it as the organization chose Russ over the, over them as far as who they were going to pay. And they basically broke up that team with the idea that Russ would carry him going forward and they would rebuild around him. And ultimately it did work. So,
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I agree with you. When the Legion of Boom went down, I would have to say when they lost that second Super Bowl, which they should have won, I think it was the beginning of the end for them right then and there. I really do believe that. And speaking of that, do you feel as if they gave Russell that call so he would get the MVP over Marshall?
2: No, no. No, I don't think so. There's a a really good uh, book, uh, Annie Duke. Uh, It's a book called Thinking in Bets, and she kind of goes over the scenario uh, from an analytics perspective. And the idea is, like, we're resulting and looking at how it ended up and blaming the result instead of, you know, looking at it from a standpoint of, okay, how do you get more plays and more bites at the apple in this scenario? Okay, you try to throw a pass on first down. Of course, you throw a safe pass, a slant, and if it's incomplete, you still have the option uh, to run the ball. You still have a timeout. But if the worst of all worst scenarios happens then on the slant it gets intercepted and game over, then it just looks yeah. like the dumbest play call of all time. So, it, you know, it's tough.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's, that. up until you say that, that was my assessment. That call was the dumbest call that I've seen. Understanding a few things. You had a timeout. You did not give Marshawn Lynch a chance to run it in from the one-yard line. You didn't, you didn't give you didn't give the number one back at the time. The beast mode, at least an attempt to get in on a run. You threw it on the first down, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, and it's a slant on the one, which is a. You're correct. If it's incomplete, but that's a lot. That's a risky pass. A slant or oh, the one-yard line with all those bodies. That's just a uh, – to me, that's a high-risk pass. Yeah, but, I mean, and,
2: if you're going to throw it, it's either a fade or a slant. Those are the things that are the least likely to t- lead to a turnover. So, basically, you had a corner who outsmarted everybody and jumped the route in a scenario where you should never jump the route because you could possibly have contact and get a defensive pass interference. appearance. But yeah. shout-out to the uh, – To him for making a play, you know what I mean? It was an all-time great play. And then the other part we kind of forget is this was Vincent Wilfork and those boys on that line. This was the best goal line defense in the league. So it's not guaranteed that Marshawn Waltz is in there. So I I can understand trying to catch him off guard with a play. Now, did they get a little too cute, maybe? Yeah, I I can definitely agree when people say that. But I I just don't think it was a stupid call. It's just the result ended up so bad that it just had to go (laughs) People just had to call it that because who who jumps the slant on the goal line? Who does that?
0: Malcolm Butler did, and you're right. (laughs) Kudos to Malcolm Butler because you know what? He said he knew what the play was. When they lined up, he knew exactly what the play was, and he jumped the route. He actually went to the spot where he felt the ball was going to be at, more so than kind of like watching the ball, he just ran to the spot and intercepted the ball. And it was no pass interference. It was just, it, it was just a great play. A great, I mean, yeah. it, it was probably one of the best defensive plays you can make, along from stopping somebody a runner on the one. I mean, that was not pass interference. That was an interception. And right. And the Legion of Boom, they had a lot of swagger. I was, I was actually hoping they was gonna win that 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 Super Bowl. I even said, I remember me watching that Super Bowl. I even said, okay, they're gonna hand it off to, to to Beast Mode, and lo and behold, he did that pass. I was like, what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and and you know, there's a lot more to criticize in that Super Bowl, uh, the Seahawks' inability to possess the ball, because remember they were on the verge of blowing them out then all of a sudden punt punt three and out and brady gets the momentum and everything's going their way and all of a sudden it's a ball game again so i mean that's another part that kind of sticks out so I, I i i think russell wilson is going to get into the hall of fame by the time he's done but i'm not so sure it's more a resume than it is he's one of those guys like when we talk about like the typical hall of fame quarterback i do think russ you know is a great player had some great moments, one of the best deep ball passes uh, ever, you know, in the NFL, but just as a dominant football quarterback, like I I don't see him in that that lineage, so to say.
0: No, you got a great point. I definitely agree with you. I think Russell has had some flashes. He definitely has had his moments where he's just probably the best player on the the field moments, you know, he's had his moments. And the years that they went back-to-back, that was when Russell was playing his best. In this particular Super Bowl, I don't think he played his best game. I thought he played okay, not terrible, but not mm-hmm. great. He played okay. Yes, if he does complete that that pass and, and he scores a touchdown, he probably does get the MVP over Marshawn. But if Marshawn Lynch scores that touchdown and they hand it off, he's, Marshawn Lynch is definitely getting the MVP.
2: Well, well, deservedly he should have. But you know how they can do though. Uh, again, our whole little infatuation with quarterbacks—you go back to those giant years where Eli Manning walks off with the trophy. Uh, meanwhile, that Giants D-line—I I think we all know—is probably most responsible for those wins. And I, I think Russ was ultimately kind of similar to Eli in that way.
0: Yeah, and, and, and you're right. I do definitely do think Russ is going to be a Hall of Famer. He 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 makes the most of what he can do. I mean. He practices hard. I follow him on Instagram. He puts the work in, and he, you're right. He he does he get a little bit more clout than what he sometimes produces. Yeah, I would I would say yes, but he is going to be a hall of famer. He, you know, as long you know he doesn't get hurt or anything like that, and it would have looked really nice for his resume if he had he had that second second Super Bowl back to back.
2: And uh, game management and possession are becoming just as important or probably more important than completion percentage. We've kind of become obsessed with completion percentage. When, you know, somebody's dumping short outs and bubble screens and stuff, yeah, you're going to throw 70%. But the more important factor nowadays is, is starting to become, okay, can you keep the other team off the field when you need to milk the clock? can you make uh, a lead almost insurmountable by your ability to possess the ball? We saw this in that Cleveland game against the Jets the other day where Chubb is talking about it like maybe he shouldn't have scored so they could have <laughs> ran the clock out a little more. And I think we're seeing that scenario a lot because, you know, the rules are so slanted towards offense that the idea that you got to lead and you can kind of run away and hide or expect the other team not to be able to strike back, I I don't know. <laughs>
0: No, you're right. I mean, that's the thing. That's old school football where you're holding on to the ball. You, you, If the other team has a great offense, by you holding on to the ball and running it, that's the way you keep them off the field, you know. And Chubb is right. You know, you got to be able to – that smash-mouth football. You got to be able to keep, keep them on, off the field, the offense. Not only that, you tire out their defense more. Nick Chubb had actually a very good game, too, on Thursday night. He did really well. Yep. Yep.
2: Well, we start with the Raiders game, too. Uh, The Raiders had that big lead. Uh, Then in the second half, you get a couple possessions stall out. Arizona gets, you know, a few more possessions. Then all of a sudden, you know, chaos can happen. So, you know, even if you're not running it, just the ability to get first downs and extend drives Give your defense a little rest. Because think about how. Because uh, I think I forgot about this part too. Going back to that Seahawks Super Bowl. Remember how gassed the defense was, because the offense couldn't stay on the field.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean that Super Bowl. That's one of the most memorable Super Bowls I have ever watched. it more. And I was hoping the Seahawks won it. The Legion of Boom. I would. I was like, man because they had so much swagger and that team was was something special and I really felt as if they I felt like they were the a better team over the Patriots but they they made that big mistake that costly yeah. mistake on that one yard line and it, it was unfortunately me I wouldn't have ran that play I would have handed it up to Marshawn gave him at least a chance if he gets it, great, if he doesn't get it you got a timeout. You know? Right. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm not throwing no, it on one yard I, I think, line. I, think I played mad right. enough. I played <laughs> mad at enough to know that if you throw a ball at the one yard line, it's a risky pass. Now, of course, if you don't have a choice, you're going to have a choice. But if you have a choice, I'd rather run the ball.
2: Right. And again, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I, I probably would have tried to run it first, too. But I, I, the only thing I, I, I push back on when people bring it up is the worst of the worst happened. They, they did have a plan. This wasn't reckless. It wasn't like a stupid idea. It just it just ended up going to, going in the worst way. Because again, you get an incompletion. Now you still got a couple more plays uh, to try to make it happen. But ultimately, it shouldn't have come down to that. And when your offense stalls out in the second half against that old that man named Brady, these things can happen to you.
0: No, you're absolutely right. You cannot let off the gas. And not only can you not all let off the gas, you can't rely on on field goals. You're not going to beat Brady or Mahomes on field goals. No matter how great you play, if you're just getting field goals, you're not going to beat either one of those two guys, Brady (laughs) or Mahomes. It's not going to happen. And I'm glad you said that about that Super Bowl because up until this day, I felt like to this day, I, I was even thinking about it like a few days ago. I said, man, why did the Seahawks want to give Russell Wilson? Because, you know what? Because of what Sherman said. I said, you know what? That goes into that narrative that they wanted to give Russell the MVP over Marshawn. Remember, Marshawn during that whole time was, I'm only here so I don't get fined. I'm only here so I don't get fined. Imagine that guy getting the MVP. Yep.
2: yeah, Because yeah. remember, remember what happened. They were having cap issues. They they were trying to figure out who they wanted to pay. Uh, Marshawn needed money. The secondary needed money. You still had the linebackers who needed money. Like, you had a lot of people to pay. And their idea was to go ahead and tear it down and and replace. Because, and like all front offices, once they hit on some picks, they convinced themselves that they're just better than everybody had it and they could do it again. And we see draft after draft after draft is not that easy.
0: No, it's you're right. You're absolutely right. It's not that easy to rebuild, you know. And and that's what happens. Teams they think that okay, we got we we're on top now. We can just kind of get right back here if we move some people who are demanding a lot of money. We get some other drafts. We move, get a couple of trades, and then boom, we're right there. It doesn't work that way. That Legion of Boom and that Seahawks team was something special. They really were. Right, all the all the stars yeah, lined up. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was something special. I mean, you had Marshawn Lynch in his prime back there. You you had you had the Legion of Boom, Cam Chancellor, <laughs> Richard Sherman. I mean, the list goes on and mm-hmm. on and on. And you had Russ yep, yep. playing in his prime. You had Russ. I mean, Russ was playing like an all-star player. He, at I mean, he was... On a rookie deal. Yeah, on
2: a rookie deal, too. So On a rookie you deal. He money I, at quarterback.
0: Yep. He was playing like Mahomes. I mean, he was just scrambling, making the, the deep ball passes. Beautiful deep ball passes, too. Right on the money. I mean, even the game before, the championship game was a tough game, and he pulled it out with that beautiful pass. So... Yeah, I mean, it's amazing they lost that Super Bowl, how talented that team was.
2: And that's an all-time classic, too, that, that NFC Championship game you just brought up, man.
0: Yeah, Not I mean, that was that a again. tough game. <laughs> Next couple weeks. Yeah, that was a tough game, too. That was a great game. I mean, they they had to fight and claw to get to the Super Bowl, and they had the Super Bowl, I felt, in their hand, in their grasp, and they, they let it slip. And I was, like, saying to this day, if it wasn't for you, I'd be saying Man, why did they have to do that? Why did you have to push Wilson getting the MVP so bad? What what would have been so bad if Marshawn would have got it? Okay, Marshawn gets the MVP, You get everybody gets a ring. It is what it is. The guy would have had two rushing touchdowns. He was the most – if he scored that touchdown, it's a slam dunk he's getting the MVP. It's a slam dunk. If they gave it to someone else just for PR, it would have looked so bad. Because to me, he would slam dunk the MVP had he scored that touchdown.
2: Yeah. He was a difference maker at that time, man. Marshall was so good when he was in his prime. Yeah. Just the ability to fall forward, uh, the fact that you rarely saw him lose yards, and he was just a load to bring down.
0: Load to bring down. He was outstanding, too, in the passing game, too. When you would throw him mm-hmm. like – a little check down or a little 10-yard pass, it would end up being like 30 yards. He was awesome. Not all running backs are great receivers. He was a great receiver and can run. He he was just amazing. He was an outstanding back. You're
2: you're trying to tackle him, and you're trying to get low and get his legs, and uh, that ain't a good idea. Like the dude, he was just fire hydrant,
0: man. It's just hard to deal with. (laughs) Hard to break uh, down. He's elusive. He's quick, right. and, and he could catch the football too. He, he could do it all. Uh, you know, I was hoping he did get it because to me, he was the most deserving of it. He, I mean, Russ yeah. had an okay game. I mentioned, but at the time, at the time, Marshawn had about over hundred plus yards all like passing. He had about a hundred yards receiving. He was like a buck fifty, buck sixty total yards, and he scored a touchdown already. So he definitely was going to get the MVP had he scored in that touchdown. It was a, it was a slam dunk. I know Roger Goodell probably didn't want him to get it because he'd have to answer questions, or at least be sitting at the podium. We'd have to do that charade again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, they they would have dealt with it. Man, it, it, it's the NFL, man. They. have They've seen a lot worse. I promise you that, man. And the the beautiful thing about Marshawn was it would have been so celebrated uh, by, the, by the part of the country that doesn't get offended so easily because Marshawn is 100% Oakland. This was a dude just walking in his truth, being who he was, man. Uh, he found a profession where he didn't have to code switch, and that's a beautiful thing for any black person lucky enough to find one.
0: Exactly. I mean, there's very few professions. You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. There's very few professions that you can be yourself and get away with it and have that type of success that Marshall Lynch had. And it'd be cool. You're, You're right. I mean, he didn't sell out. He, and that's the thing. A lot of people didn't understand Marshall Lynch. If you did some research, you would understand his background. He doesn't trust people that easily. A lot of times the media would ask him silly questions. Like, why are you asking him these questions that are kind of silly you know he's not going to answer?
2: Right. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we
2: saw media, media figures who figured it out, like, oh, wait a minute. This guy is not a clown to laugh at. This guy is an interesting, funny, insightful dude. And if you actually – are genuine and open up to him, he'll open up to you. And that's how we got all those good segments and the commercials and everything else. Once people realize like, Oh, <laughs> he's, yeah, this is not something to laugh at. Like, no, nah, he's a genuine dude.
0: He really is. He's a genuine guy. I mean, Marshawn Lynch, he really is. Like to me, I see Marshawn as, a, you know, just where I'm from. I seem like an easy guy to talk to. I really do. Like, you just have to be genuine not be fake, you know, and deal be a straight shooter with him and he'll 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 open up to you. He will. Yep. But yep. if you just ask condescending questions, no. He ain't gonna do he ain't gonna this it's or fake or phony questions, he's not gonna he's not gonna cater to that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's, that's the funny thing about people who think they're smart. The funny thing about people who think they're smart is they think everybody else is dumb. So it's like, yeah, people can kind of read you. They can smell it on you that you're being condescending and talking down
0: to them and stuff. Like, I'm sure yeah, there's no. a lot of
2: reporters he won't speak to to this day probably in Seattle.
0: Yeah, and you're right. And you know what? But he did a 30 for 30, and it was with another brother. I forget his name, but they had great rapport and it was a it was actually a very good uh, outstanding segment and he talked about his background you know from being from Oakland rough rough i mean he was from a rough neighborhood and he the man said he don't trust anybody you know he he's very guarded and you just got to you know you got to earn your respect with him that's what it goes down to he ain't going to just give it to you
2: Right, when you think about his time in Buffalo. Yeah, why wouldn't it lead to that? The way he was treated there, because he got in some trouble off the field with a DUI, and the way those people talked about him, I do never forgot that.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I look at Marshawn being an intelligent guy, and you know, he I I was inspired by what he said when he was when he came back from retirement. He was giving some great advice for the guys that were coming in, like, hey, don't waste your money. Take care of your body. Take care of your mind. That's actually outstanding advice. Fellas, a violent sport. You, you want to be, be able to do things once your career is over. Right. You don't want to waste and all and your money. And we can talk
2: about the media for a second, we, I mean, just think about the stories we got yesterday and today. If you don't mind, if we can go into that.
0: I... Oh, yeah, sure, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> about, okay, so, uh,
2: so we've created <laughs> – no, I was going to say just the Emi uh, Udoka situation.
0: We yeah. created
2: this instant gratification media where the rush to be first mean more than anything. Uh, we get people tweeting out about a very important story with no details. So it's like, okay, you're telling me somebody's going to be in trouble, possibly, but you don't know why, and you can't say with who or how, but they could be in trouble. And the need to be first means that you put that out instead of somebody saying, no, you shouldn't run that. That's that's not information. That's, that's not a story. You don't have the who, what, when, where. Like, that's not a story. But they rush it out there, and then they have to talk about it on the talk shows the next day, and, you know, then we get people arguing for a story where we still don't have the details. So, I mean, it's just insane, man.
0: No, you're absolutely right. It really is. Everybody wants to be first. They want to get the the spotlight for that. They want to get the credit. They want to get all, they want to go viral for that. They want all the clicks and comments, and more so than they want to get their facts straight. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's the society we live in. People are quick to, you know, when I was growing up, you would never be holding a phone videotaping something when somebody needed help. But literally, people will watch somebody get beat down and just hold their phone steady as it all could be, too. They'll hold it steady as, as a perfect cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they put it online and go viral. Right. And not, never once thinking, you know, maybe I should be helping out or something or calling the cops or do something.
2: Something besides just holding the phone, and then with the Udoka situation, it's like okay, something inappropriate happened, and it looks like it's it's levels to this. Like this is like it's probably going to be really terrible, uh, just because the Celtics won't commit to you know firing him openly for I'm guessing fear of some type of legal action, but. <laughs> The first day when people are like, yeah, well, they had consent. And you're like, wait a minute, man. Consent is not a fixed item. If you are dating a girl and you have consent that one night, that doesn't mean you have consent forever and things can change. So even by putting that out, it became like, okay, are you strategically leaking that part to try to shift the story or shift how people look at the story? So, yeah, this – this is insane, man. You it is. You went to bed it... as a first-year coach who went to the finals and you wake up with this? Ooh.
0: Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you. And and that's, that's what I was saying earlier. Like, that is a great opportunity, and it just really went up in smoke because based on all of the different reports, I'm going to just say what I believe happened. This is what I believe happened here in this situation not saying you know i wasn't there but what i believe is he had a you know an extramarital affair with this woman who apparently they finally got the woman right for what i've seen up until today is that this was actually the vp's wife so it, it wasn't like when they first said a staffer i'm thinking it was a girl that was you know a couple levels below him as far as kenya as far as up there but no this is a vp's mm-hmm. wife allegedly that he hooked up with they were having an affair so it was consensual but because of the rules and regulations that's why he got suspended for a year is what the details from what i i gathered from all the different stories it, it's just yeah, but that's the, another
2: course though in itself you can't suspend a coach for a year. Basically, you're this is a holding pattern until you can fire him. There's some type of legal ease or whatever that has to be kind of figured out. But nobody gets suspended for a year. Well, hey, Tatum and Brown, see you guys next year. Like that doesn't happen in professional sports. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah.
0: I think I I agree with you. I think they were trying to get more kind of like more information. To basically fire him I think they didn't have because if you do fire someone you don't have enough legal proof and they do sue you it can come back to bite you bad so right I I believe that this they were having an affair it was consensual but what ended up happening is like you said they they couldn't technically fire him so they they hope that they give the suspension which will probably lead to him probably quitting I mean because I said it earlier that who wants to come back a year later from a year's suspension and coach a team after this total embarrassment? This is, <laughs> that, you know, you're going to have to regurgitate this whole thing a year from now. It's not going to be good for you. I mean, you might be strong-minded, but why would you want to deal with that? Plus your players, you're going to lose kind of like respect from them. And on top of it, you know, he, this part is true of all those stories. He is engaged. What engaged to the alone? The actress. So I'm like, whoa, yeah. you, you really stepped into it.
2: And anybody who yeah. knows anything about relationships, one thing that becomes a bridge too far with with a lot of women is embarrassing them publicly. And yeah, I don't know how much worse this can get. So.
0: Yeah, it's pretty bad for her. I looked at her Instagram page, and she did not put a post or say anything about it, but I see people finding the last post she had, and they were making their comments and their opinions on that. And it, it's already really bad for her. She didn't do anything wrong, but it's embarrassing for her. It's embarrassing for the Celtics. It's embarrassing for the VP. And it's embarrassing for the girl, his wife. It's embarrassing for the coach. Is this an embarrassing situation? If you were him, what would you do at this point if you had a year suspension? Uh, I would just stay in contact with the lawyer,
2: man, or, or your agent or whoever it is that's going to do the talking for you, and I would just stay quiet, man. Just wait on whatever uh, kind of buyout or whatever they're going to do. <laughs> but, yeah, he's never coaching that team again, man. There's, there's no year suspension, and then you come back. This is just working out the league I
0: agree. I, I totally agree. I was even saying earlier that Imanis have just – if if resigning is the best option, but you cannot come back a year later from this type of embarrassment. I, You know, I get it that people can change, and I get it that people are strong-minded. He probably could be, but this is not going to be good for your career, for you to actually be productive. It's just too big of a light. I mean –
1: well,
2: even beyond just, just that part, this is the NBA. Windows close quickly. Remember how we all thought the Russell Durant and Ibaka group, oh, they're going to win multiple championships, or the Houston group put hard and everything? they're going to win multiple championships. You got Tatum and Brown for a short amount of time until something goes well. And you can't afford to just burn a year based on the idea of we're going to wait on Coach to come back. Like, the the, the, you know, the windows are way too small in the NBA for stuff like that. You're trying to capitalize on these years. You have Tatum and Brown together as young players under, what, 25, I think? Both of them are, or 26? Yeah. Yeah, you're on the clock. You don't have time to burn a year for a coach? Like, no. Nobody, no coach is that good.
0: No, you're absolutely right. And plus, they went to the finals last year, so they have experience. Sometimes when guys lose in the finals, they have that experience. They come back hungrier, and they do a lot better. And they, you know, usually you have to kind of wait a year because you have to. You don't usually get it the first time around. Some do, but you got that experience at a young age, which is very beneficial. Right. But yeah, I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> You're not. You're right. I agree. Well, I agree with you on that. You're not. If you, if they actually do give you suspension because they can't legally fire you, you can't come back in a year. I'm sorry.
2: That key card will never work.
0: I, that <laughs> that's
2: not. That's not in the plan. Whatever, uh, you know, Brad Stevens and the brain trust over there are talking about it today. It is not bringing him back. I, I just don't think that's a part of the conversation. Then again, you know. We're speculating now, but hell, that's all we can do because of the information they provided.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then and then they first came out with the wrong female. They 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 wanted so bad to be the the sister of, of Al Horford. They wanted her to be the victim or the person that was involved with this and you know, we find out it wasn't, but they were saying it was her.
2: Right. <laughs> And again, that's the fault of the Celtics, that's the fault of everybody. Uh Shams, Sham, that's the fault of everybody who ran with everything early because that, that was gonna lead to everybody speculating and trying to guess and trying to figure it out. So the NBA offseason the NBA and the NFL have, have got their goal of becoming year round leagues. Even when they're not in season, there's still topics of conversation and things to think about with.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, you're right. When the NFL is is out and the NBA is out, it's like it's still on because there's always something going on. There's always a story, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and people they love drama. You know, there's got to be some drama there. But man, that that was that, that was a big story, and it's still going on with Udaka because we'll see if he if his engagement is going to be off. We'll see now. You got to see what Neil Long's going to do.
2: And and if he has to kind of climb his way back into the ranks, uh, stuff like this is how you get, like, think about Quinn Snyder, where you kind of get banished to the G League for a couple of years, build your rep back up again, and then you get another job, probably not your preferred job. So Quinn went to the G League, built his rep up again, goes to the Utah Jazz, uh, gets them successful, and now I think, you know, he's kind of waiting to see which opportunity he wants to take, but he had to kind of completely remake his career. And Yudoka might be in the same boat.
0: Oh, yeah. He's definitely not – this is not something you could just sweep underneath the rug or just be smiling to people. And, you know, it's, it's something that's going to stick with you. It's, it's just too embarrassing. And not only that, we haven't actually, believe it or not, it's been a minute since we've heard a story like this. Somebody yeah. allegedly hooking up with the VP's wife. I mean, that's – Wow. Somebody in the front (laughs) office, and and then you're you're already engaged to Neil Long, who's a celebrity. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, it's just
2: and it's hard. It's hard to get people and organizations to commit to you when other men don't trust you. So that's another thing that you know that's the kind of unsaid thing that he kind of has to fight against now going forward with his rep, but. You know, I hope he bounces back. Like, he was a great coach uh, that year. Like, that was an amazing year for him to go in there and take them where, where they were. And it took a monumental effort from Steph uh, to stop those boys.
0: You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I, you know what? I remember when we talked about it in our show in the finals that the Celtics actually were the team that should have probably won because of their length, their height, and their strength. But I I said it on the show that I still felt that Steph was going to win because of the fact that Steph is Steph, but more importantly, Steph got the experience. You know, there's, there's no substitute for experience. He has experience. I felt like when things got tight, Steph was going to hit those big shots. But like you said, it, it took a Herculean effort by Steph to get it. But I felt as if yeah. this, if it was if it was any slip-up on Steph and the team, they would have lost. But I felt I, I did pick, even though the Celtics were on paper the better team and they had more length and all of that, I still felt as if, you know, Steph and his team was going to win, bec- more importantly because of the experience.
2: Right, well, right, and we see this every generation. The young team gets there, has to learn how to win, and the savvy veterans, uh, you know, and beat them, and they say, yeah, we'll see you next time. Remember the Tim Duncan uh, infamous soundbite, him telling them, bro, this will be your league someday, uh, as LeBron gets there as a young guy in the Spurs uh, 4-0 them <laughs> in, in the finals. Yeah. Like, you know, that's how this goes, man.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's like you kind of wish you had their knowledge, the vets. The vets, they're kind of sneaky. They know they've been there. They know what the ref's going to call, what he's not going to call, And just the experience of hitting those big shots in the pressure situations, you're learning on the job. They've been through it already.
2: Yep. It's a difference. (laughs) (laughs) And and when they were younger, the older guys did the same to them. So, yep. Exactly. You got to run, man, but it's always good to catch up with you, man.
0: Uh, I know y'all going to be talking
2: about boxing next week, so.
0: That's yes, right. Yep, definitely. will be talking about boxing a little bit later tonight and next week, for sure. Always got to talk about my boxing, but I appreciate you joining us here, and definitely, always a pleasure to have you.
2: Same, bro. All right, I'm going to hang up and listen to you, and I'll come back next week.
0: All right, you got it. Looking forward to it. All right, man. All right, I appreciate you. you. Have a great weekend. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead. In fact, we'll, that's a great segue. We'll talk about the boxing now. And let me get, first and foremost, talk about the Canelo versus the Triple G fight, the part number three. You know, this fight was pretty much how I expected it. I felt Canelo, there's no way he was going to lose his fight. And he, he did his thing. Canelo did his thing. In fact, the thing—the only thing that did surprise me a bit was I did feel as if Triple G got old all of a sudden. He just was very, very passive to throw. I've never seen him in that posture where he wasn't, he was like, he was becoming an old man thinking about taking the shots too much. And watching the fight, after about the third or fourth round, I could tell Canelo was going to win this fight easily because you can't give three or four rounds to Canelo. Plus, You could see the younger, stronger guy. That's one time where youth does help you. You could see where Canelo was a younger, stronger guy, better reflexes, sharper puncher. Triple G was tentative. He wasn't really looking to throw much. He had a couple of rounds where he threw, but he was just second-guessing his shots pretty much the whole fight, which I've never seen Triple G do. I felt the fight actually I thought was going to be more competitive I thought still Canelo was going to win, but I felt it was going to be a closer fight. Being at this the third time they fought, you kind of knew what to expect. But that's what far the time does. You know, Triple G's in his 40s. Far the time sometimes comes calling you a lot sooner you want to be called. And that's what happened with Triple G. He got, he got pretty old in his fight. And, you know, he definitely, Triple G's a warrior. This fight didn't really show that in the regard that he was just second-guessing his punches. And you can't sit there and fight a guy like Canelo and sit there and second-guess all of your punches all night. It's just, he's just going to pick you apart. I was really surprised Canelo didn't get the knockout. I really was. That's how dominant Canelo was. I did pick Canelo to win, but it was pretty clear to me that Triple G just was, he got old this fight. Where does Canelo go from here? Well, I hope that Canelo... Fights, one of the, you know, Benavides, Charlo. I don't know if you should fight for that rematch of Bivol because I, I don't think it's going to end well. I think Bivol is going to win that fight, especially if they fight at 175. But uh, Canelo, he has options. I I hope that he fights one of those three guys, and, you know. But first and foremost, he got to fix his hand, which I hope he gets that done. And then uh, we have the Stevenson fight tonight, which is actually tonight. It's a Friday night fight, not a Saturday night fight. For those people who don't know, most of the fights are Saturday. It is actually tonight. Stevenson didn't make the weight. And you know what? I thought about this. In most cases, I would actually be very critical of somebody not making the weight of a fight, especially somebody is tenured. And Stevenson did have a lot to say during the weigh-in. But I am going to give Stevenson the benefit of doubt because of the fact that hes he said in his statement, I agree, he's always made weight. This is a part of his professional career. He's always made weight. And he just could not. He did his very best to make the 130. I can understand that. You know, As you get older, it's harder to make those 130 pounds. I have actually went ahead and stood right next to Shakur Stevenson. Shout out to Top Rank for giving us the – the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio show, access to this Shakur Stevenson fight in Atlanta. Shakur Stevenson is actually a lot taller than he looks on TV. In, in person, he's actually a little bit taller. He's a taller, lengthier guy. And I'm really surprised he made 130 as, as often as he did because he does have muscles. The muscular build usually is a little bit more weight. I think Stevenson is going to win tonight regardless of whether he was he made weight or not? I just think Shakur Stevenson is one of the sensational boxers in today. Whether he's fighting at one thirty 130 or one thirty-five, he's just he's he's that good. And I think he should move up to one thirty-five because you get to a point at the one thirty weight limit where, as you get older, it's just harder to make that weight. It's it's just you're not off by a lot of pounds, but cutting it by almost two pounds and your body is like saying you're already. You already got every liquid out of you. It's just, it is what it is. So I'm not going to stand, I'm not going to slam Stevenson. He is a professional boxer. He definitely wants to be one of the, he is one of the best boxers in today's game in his weight class. And I believe he's going to do sensational at 135. He's a great boxer. So I, I will cut him some slack on that about him not making weight. Normally I would go to town in most cases, but, Stevenson has earned that right that he's going to get the, the benefit of the doubt. He is very professional. This is not like his first or fifth or 10th fight. And at least he was honest about it, it. was straightforward that he had trouble making the weight. And now he's making, he's moving up to 135. He's winning tonight. Stevenson is. Secure Stevenson is winning tonight. <laughs> that one or two pound is not going to make a difference. Secure Stevenson is, he's sensational. I mean, his, let me tell you why I think He's sensational. He's got great boxing IQ. He's a very quick boxer. He's got a lot of pop in his hands, too. He's smart. It's like controlled aggression with him, too. He's not reckless. And he's going to be something special in 135. I would love to see what happens down the road when he fights either Tank, Haiti. But I, th- I think the person that would probably give him the most trouble would be Haiti. I think I think uh, Shakira Stevenson beats... Take, I really do. I think Shakir Stevenson beats Ryan Garcia. I think Devin Haney would probably be his only person who would give him a very strong fight. But in the boxing, let's just hope that AJ and Fury make the fight. I hope they sign the paperwork. I thought that was going to be an easy fight to sign. You know, when they say it's going to be easy, that's a telltale sign, guys, when a fight's not going to be easy. There's no such thing. It's just like when I used to work at sales. They used to say, Hey man, that's gonna be an easy sale for you. The customer's ready to buy. That was <laughs> that was right there the kiss of death, as I would say, of my sale. Because anytime they would say it's an easy sale, it was far from an easy sale. It looked easy, but when you would talk to the customer, you had to go through hoops. In most cases you'd even make a sale. But there would be sometimes you actually would make a sale after you went to three or four or five or six hoops where you thought it was going to be a layup. There's no such thing as a layup when it comes to making a fight in boxing. you got promoters, you got site feeds, you have managers, you have ticket requests, you have this and that, all of that good stuff. So I just hope at the end of the day, AJ does make the fight with Fury because I do think it's a great opportunity for AJ, more so AJ than I do think for Fury because... AJ really, let's just be real, is not really deserving of that opportunity. You lost two fights against Usyk. Usyk is more deserving of it, but uh, obviously Usyk didn't want to fight till next year. Fury wanted a fight, so there you go. A blessing in disguise for, for AJ. I, I still think Fury's going to win, but AJ should take advantage of his fight and take advantage of that purse more importantly. So hopefully these guys get that fight signed. I'll keep you posted. I definitely wanted to go ahead and let you guys store the number so you have it always in, in your hand to call next Friday, 516-418-5572. Again, it's 516 5572 Definitely want to thank my callers and thank you guys for listening. I also want to go ahead and wish that Aaron gets better. He's unfortunately not feeling well. Hope he gets better. I want to also thank our great sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Thank you so much, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, for being our great sponsor. Please, guys, you got to try the sauce. It's amazing. You can pick up a four-pack at flbbqsauce.com flbbqsauce.com. saucecom Don't forget that sauce. My daughter never forgets it. I really can't even store it in my house because it goes that fast. So get yourself a four-pack. Thank you again, Chef G's, for the barbecue sauce. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting us on the Allen & Aaron SportsCook Radio Show. Please follow us on Facebook, on iHeartRadio, and on YouTube under Allen Alford. A-L-A-N-A-L-F. O R D, just click the subscribe button. You'll always get a chance to see content that we don't put on the air. So thank you guys for listening. You have a great weekend. Be safe. Be well. And may God be with you.
1: Thank you for listening to the Evan
2: and
0: Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. <laughs>
1: subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform.